Hi and welcome back to the United Journal. We're talking about Manchester United once again and I'm joined by my friend Matt Smalls from across the pond in the United States of America to talk about Manchester United. Most notably our review of the game against West Ham and the FA Cup and looking forward to West Brom this weekend in the Premier League. Stay tuned. So Matt, welcome to the podcast uh, from all the way in the US. How's life treating you? Yeah, good, good. We got a little bit of snow out here, but can't complain all as well. How's things over there? Similar, he- heaps of snow up in Scotland and snowmageddon. Uh, but uh, in recent times, my, my heart has been warmed with some good performances for Man United, uh, but also some some absolutely chilling ones. So let's, let's get into it Definitely. and talk about football, shall we? Good. Yeah. Let's start with a with a quick review of what happened in the FA Cup this week. Yeah. So, of course, as we know, Manchester United placed played West Ham at home at Old Trafford in the fifth round of the FA Cup, and beat them uh, in extra time with a uh, goal from Scott McTominay in minute ninety seven, if I'm not mistaken. Who and and McTominay came in as a, as a substitute, right? So, how mm-hmm. did you feel about that game, that performance? Uh, performance mm, left a, a little bit to be desired. I'm kind of in two minds just because West Ham clearly came to kind of spoil the party. I don't think their plan was to really attack us and put us under a lot of pressure. So it was always going to take some time. Having said that, I think one of the things that kind of stood out to me was the passing specifically through the midfield, I thought was pretty poor. I don't know if you would agree, but I just think that we kind of made hard work of it just because our passing wasn't as sharp as it could have been. What are you, what were your thoughts? I agree with you. I mean, clearly, West Ham came came there with a plan, right? They just wanted to shut out United as much as they could. They were missing their, their main man, uh, Mikhail Antonio, up front. Um, so it was going to be more of a defensive performance. They didn't really trouble uh, Dean Henderson much, did they? But ultimately, it did. Mm-hmm. It was going to come down to to an important uh, or a or a, a um, well taken goal that had to come from from somebody uh, from the uh, who came off the bench rather because it wasn't the first or uh, the strongest United team that was sent out. Yeah, we had Donny Van de Beek playing instead mm-hmm. of Bruno Fernandes, and he's normally the guy that makes United tick. Um, and of mm-hmm. course, we had a little bit of creativity issues with Marcus Rashford and. And um, of course, Martial wasn't getting much, uh, much uh, luck up service right? now. So it was a no. very, a very cagey game, a very uh, slow kind of a chess game. But I still felt overall that Manchester United should have done the job in uh, in normal time, considering uh, considering everything. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And I think that for me, one of the things that I was hoping was, to your point, was that we were able to get the win comfortably within the 90 minutes just because I know certain players have racked up a lot of minutes. And so, you know, Wambasaka, I don't remember the last time he wasn't playing. Maguire the same. We know Lindelof's got a bad back. Um, Rashford, you know, we I think every time we see him on the team sheet, we're kind of holding our breath that, you know, he doesn't get kicked or something. So, I kind of was disappointed that we didn't get the win in the 90 minutes and that we had to end up putting 
some more minutes on people's legs. And I mean, thankfully, we saw Juan Masaka go off, but I heard, and I don't know if you heard this as well, that he went straight down the tunnel after coming off. So hopefully that's not a bad injury or anything that's going to keep him out for long. But I guess the most important thing is we're in the next round. I agree with you there. Yeah, that's the most important thing, finally. You know, last year, and well, the last two years, well, uh, since, since Socha's come on board pretty much, right? Um, it's, it's, it's been a lot of... The performances were great, but the results weren't there. And ultimately, it's because of the results. Now, it's probably a little bit different because of the fixture list and the congestion list. And hey, let's also be fair here we haven't got a fully built and a, 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 a ticks-all-the-boxes kind of team yet, right? There's still weaknesses right. in right wing and centre-back area. We don't have a, a, a quick centre-back uh, when Bai is out injured. We, we still need that mm-hmm. defensive midfielder. And, uh, of course, striker right. without Cavani, who can't play every game, obviously, um, it leaves a bit to be desired. But nonetheless, we're still bringing home the results, which is important. Now... Mm-hmm. One of the things I mentioned was we did play a, like almost a second string uh, side, and with due respect, Donny Van der Beek uh, starting in the number ten role for Manchester United uh, isn't isn't uh, going to come too often, considering that his biggest competition is probably the best man in the number ten position in the world right now with Bruno Fernandes. Right. Um, what do you make of his United career so far? Uh, is he behind where you thought he would be, and? How do we really get the best out of him? Um, I think so far, I think he's, if I'm honest, he's probably where I kind of thought he would be. And what I mean by that is um, I had a chance to watch Donnie when he was at Ajax on a couple of occasions just because everybody knows Ajax play really, really good football. So they're always interesting to watch as a neutral. And what I knew we were getting was a player who can get into really good spaces and make really good decisions um, and, it's, and he plays the number 10 different to Bruno, right? So whenever he's in, I kind of feel like our fan base are a little bit unfair because they're comparing him to Bruno and they think that he should be kind of doing the same things that Bruno does. And he's not in any shape, form, or fashion the same kind of player as Bruno. So I think in his performance in the game yesterday, I think that he um, struggled due to a lack of service from the people behind him. I saw him getting into good positions, taking up good spaces, and the ball just wasn't coming to him when he when he wanted it. And if it did come, it was either too late or the pass was poor and it was cut out. Um, so I think that, you know, it's kind of unfortunate um, that we've not seen the best of Donnie yet. I think the, the team is still trying to figure out um, what to do when he's on the pitch rather than Bruno. But I'm, I have no doubt that, you know, with time, we'll, we'll see the best of Donny van der Beek. I've got no doubt about that. But I just think that, you know, it's just going to it's going to take some time. He, he's come through a really strongly pedigreed academy, right, uh, uh, in yeah. uh, uh, in Ajax. And uh, he's got some really strong stats. 35 goals for the Netherlands and Ajax before joining Manchester United and 28 assists as well, right, uh, historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really good player, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Quite versatile. I, I, you know, sometimes he can be a defensive midfielder in some games. You know, he can be also a number ten. Uh, I believe his best position is number ten, and he can play also as I a agree. number eight or number six. Um, and I think one thing that he brings uh, to the team is that unlike Bruno Fernandez, he gets behind the defense into those positions. You know, so he's always. I agree. Up. And where I believe that we could get a lot out of him is. Um, is if you have Bruno playing with him, 
or you have a guy like Juan Mata also who's good at doing those little through passes you know those quick passes mm-hmm. and getting the ball out to him he got the ball a couple of times and he then he was he was offside i noticed but nonetheless mm-hmm. i'm not worried about him because i think that that the talent is there uh, the humility and the desire and the hunger to be successful is there there is a reason mm-hmm. that he was promised and he was on his way to real madrid um before before they said no and then man united uh, swooped in and got him um mm-hmm. and i think that that next year we will start to see uh much more from from donny van de beek most likely if pogba moves on yeah i agree and i think that you know there's been countless players where it's taken them you know a year a full year to settle in um and one of the things that i i'm very curious to see is how Donny and Bruno play together just because I think they're both very intelligent players, probably two of the most intelligent players we have in the whole squad in my opinion. Um so I think that you know hopefully we'll see them play together soon in a meaningful game and you know I think then we'll start to really see what Donny's all about. Now Donny Van de Beek was one of our signings this summer but let's talk about another one at left back Alex Telles from Porto. How is he done mm-hmm. for Romanian? I think I think Telles has he's done okay. I think looking at him and the way he plays left back again, just like how Donny plays the 10 position different than Bruno, I think Telles plays the the left back position a lot different than Luke Shaw. And I think Telles I ideally I would think that he would thrive with a center forward like Cavani just because he likes to whip crosses in um from deep positions and I think that, you know, Martial I I think he's great in what he does but i don't think that he wants to be heading in crosses and that's i think the best part of telles's game so i think that it's just like with donny it's just going to kind of take some time for him to settle in i did see some good things in the game um against west ham i remember the the chance that he created for donny was a great piece of play a great bit of link up from him and rashford on the left hand side and cutting it back to donny i thought that was a great um a great piece of play and hopefully we can start to see more of that just because i think that that's what ole wants from both fullbacks on the left and the right hand side so hopefully going forward we get to see more of that from telles but so far i think it's been solid um still a little bit worried about him defensively um but i think you know so far he's not been caught out too too bad defensively and he made a really good recovery tackle in the game uh yesterday as well, or not yesterday but in the game against West Ham a couple of days ago so you know like i said i think the best is yet to come from him too what are your thoughts um yeah i mean look alex telles is a guy i really wanted at manchester united i i when this regular uh rumors and stuff started i was telling a couple of guys i i talk uh, a, a lot uh, uh, i i speak uh, to a lot about manchester united and one of the things i always believe was that alex telles was our number one target for the left back position we would have taken mm-hmm. regilon who is also a good player if you ask me but telles mm-hmm. was number one for a reason we've watched him a lot in the last year and a half or so and also he fits the bill because in this covid environment um we you know we were not going to spend huge amounts of money right and we got him right. for 15 million with the last year of his contract he he's got a rocket of a left foot um mm-hmm. he's also a good penalty taker he's a good free kick taker at times and i'm just hoping for the day that he's going to latch on to one of those uh those those crosses and and um uh, you know show up in the box uh mm-hmm. from a corner or something and then and then uh, rifle one into the top corner and that's going to be amazing but 
I think the best of Alex Telles comes when he sees Cavani on the pitch because he whips the ball into him, right? And he whips that ball in, and Cavani knows, and Cavani's demanding it. And when you have an out and out striker, that's what you need Alex Telles for. That's that's where you'll see the best. I agree. The other part where I think that he's really had a had an unspoken of impact on this team is that his competition has pushed Luke Shaw, and Luke Shaw speaks about it openly, right? The competition mm-hmm. of Alex Telles. My hard work and also the coaching and guidance of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has made me a better player this season. And I, I would say that he's probably, alongside Bruno, been our, our best player this season. Yeah. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's kind of a welcome, it's a welcome sight because I think, you know, United fans, all we all knew that Luke had the talent. It was never a question of, of that. It was a question of application and consistency. And I think, you know, we're starting to, see the best of Luke Shaw and, you know, long may it continue because it's been great. Yep. And, and Luke Shaw is also an amazing human being, right? Uh, let me mm-hmm. share um, uh, a, a quick story with you. So um, last year, I got a, a Twitter message from a, from a follower who said, uh, I constantly see your pictures. Are you going to games at Old Trafford? Um, unfortunately, my, uh, my, my dad passed away earlier this year. And I really would like it if you could get one of the players to record a birthday message for my sister. It's a birthday this weekend and it's the first birthday that we're without him and it would really mean a lot to her. And, you know, my heart broke at that and I waited at the end of the game for for Luke Shaw. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, not Luke Shaw. I was waiting for any player, to be honest. Luke Shaw came around and I, I stopped him and I said, Luke, can you please make a video for me and say, happy birthday, Chloe. And I record, and I, I stood in front of him, and he said it, and I made a recording, and he he moved he moved on to the next person to to sign an autograph, um, and I just realized that I didn't press the recording button correctly, and I really mm-hmm. screwed up, so I ran around the other side, and he was leaving, and I shouted, and I said, Luke, can you come back and make the recording again? And he did, so he actually came back, and for wow. me that was a sign of a of a true you know human being who, um, you know who cares about fans and. He's been through a lot, you know. He had a terrible leg break of his own. Mm-hmm. But he still remembers the fans who supported him during that time. Right, right, yeah. Stuff like that warms your heart to see. Exactly, uh, we're building. I, I think finally the most likable group of of football players in Manchester United since two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And as a fan, you know, you it's kind of more you you feel a lot more connected to the team when you actually like the team that are on the field and you relate to them and, you know, you hear positive interactions like that. I know that there was a story about Ole recently that's been doing the rounds on social media. I think um, TalkSport covered it. Um, so, you know, it's just really good to see that, you know, the club is really, um, you know, just doing its part and the players are all doing their part to create a culture that brings back the feel good feeling and the family feeling about United now, uh, let's talk about our, our striking options up front. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, now we know that Manchester United has got the highest number of goals in the Premier League. And we're doing quite well. Um, but again, there is an issue with the, uh, with the striking combination, right? Or rather, just the striking position, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, we've got uh, Anthony Martial, who we believe uh, could potentially be Manchester United's leading man. And of course, we signed the, a world-class striker, albeit at the end of his, uh, of his, his career in Edison Cavani, who in my opinion has been really great. The challenge is we can't really 
play Cavani every single game. So, how do we use Anthony Martial and get the best out of him? Because there is talent there. Yeah. So, a part of me, I, I go in and out with Martial. I, I think I think he's a phenomenal player, and I think that the talent is undeniable. I almost don't want to see him on the left anymore, just because I feel like that's going to kind of... I feel like we were beyond that. Um, I think, you know, it's unfortunate, but it seems to me like the reality is he's only going to, you can only really afford to play him in the cup games at the moment, just because Cavani has more than earned his spot in the team. What I would like to kind of see going forward, and I don't know if you agree, I'd love to hear your thoughts is I'd love to see Cavani and Martial play together. And maybe we kind of switch the formation up a bit to go two strikers. Um, just because we all know Martial's quality in terms of linking the play. Um, and we all know he's a great dribbler as well. Um, and we also know he's a very good finisher when he's confident. And so I think that there's makings of a potentially really good partnership with him and Cavani with Bruno in behind. Um, but of course, you have to get the remaining balance of the team right. But to go back to your original question, I think at present, uh, Martial's kind of in a position where he's got to, you know, bide his time. And when the opportunity presents itself, he's got to take his opportunity or else he's going to kind of have to sit on the bench because Cavani, like I said, has more than earned his spot. Yep. Uh, look, I, I see where you're coming from in terms of two strikers, right? Now, the way to do that is you go to the old school 4-4-2. Mm -hmm. And for that, you need proper out-and-out -out wingers. Um, or the other one is you play maybe a 3-5-2, right? Mm -hmm. um, and... I would say now with where we have reached with this squad or this team, the first team especially, for example, if you play a 4-4-2, right? Um, some believe that formation is a bit outdated. You wouldn't be able to get the best out of Bruno in that, in that number 10 role because there isn't really a number 10 role, right? And at the same time, you would need a, a much better defensive midfielder yep. um, besides him, right? Yep. Because if he attacks, you need somebody to, to balance. And then you've got the issue of what happens with Paul Pogba, you know, if he stays, what, whatever, but at least till the end of the season, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an issue that I see. And besides that, the challenge with changing the formation as well is, uh, I think one of the great things that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did when he first joined the club was when he started playing this, uh, using the 3-4, uh, sorry, the, uh, the <laughs> I always, al always screw this up. The 3-5-2? No, no, the 4-2-3-1. Um, yeah, I think uh, he's also switched and, and Nicky Butt has also switched the the youth uh, players to that as well so that there is that kind of pipeline developing to fit into this. Yeah, Right, right. So I think that, that has a bit of a knock-on effect. Yeah, so um, I, I would not uh, really advocate changing the formation now, but maybe try it once or twice in the cup games. Yeah, yeah and I know. think, and that's what I'm, that's what I think. I think, you know, maybe, I know you mentioned a four-four-two. maybe the shape, instead of it being the traditional four four two without now wingers, we go back to the diamond and maybe we put in a cup game we'll put um Donnie behind maybe Martial and Cavani or maybe Martial and Greenwood. Um or just like I said, just something different to try to maybe see how we can start to use some of our forward players differently. Just because I know there's questions about um whether Rashford is a winger or a striker. In my opinion he's a winger. Um, we've got Greenwood, who everybody believes is the future number nine for United. So I would just be kind of curious as to kind of see how we can put 
some of these forward players more centrally just because I think Martial at times he struggles when he's up there by himself. Um, and sometimes he just doesn't really give you, he doesn't really work the center backs like you would like. One thing I've noticed about Cavani when he's playing is that center backs are always in for a tough game when he's playing just based on his movement alone. He's always making runs, always making defenders kind of worry about where he's at. Sometimes with Martial, it's kind of, it kind of looks like a winger playing number nine at times. And he's great at holding the ball up, but I think he always wants to kind of drop deep a lot of the time and get on the ball. And sometimes you kind of just need to sit on the last shoulder and make runs in behind the defenders to kind of give them something to think about. And of course, sometimes you got to make those runs to kind of get your head on the ball when crosses come in. And I think Martial is still improving on that. But I think that with maybe someone to share the load of that, I think maybe that may help us to kind of see the Martial that we saw towards the end of last season. I understand. Yeah. I mean, he had a, a red hot bit of form. And I said, you know what, give us till the end of December to, 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 you know, to prove for Anthony Martial because the talent is there. We're just not sure about the consistency, right? right. And unfortunately, towards the first half of the season, he seems to have regressed uh, a fair bit. But, uh, well, you never know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a bit about the defence now. Um, Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof. Now, we know, we've seen strongest defensive position, uh, partnerships when Maguire plays with Bailly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the same time, we've got also this issue with David De Gea not commanding the box, uh, leading to a lot of set pieces being squandered, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's that's been our weakness this whole season. Uh, where are we on Dean Henderson? Uh, would you say that he should be playing with De Gea and that will make Maguire and Lindelof stronger? Or is it more a central defensive issue overall with this goal concession problem that we have? Uh, man, there's a there's a question. I think that it's a bit of both. I think De Gea, seemingly, De Gea's preferred style is one of, you know, I, I don't, I, I'd call it passive. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't strike me as the aggressive keeper that Dean Henderson is. I remember a game not too recently where Dean's coming flying out of the box to go and clear the ball and I was kind of, as a fan, I was kind of nervous. So I was like, you know, you really don't need to be doing that. Like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but that's something that I think can be valuable as we're trying to play with the high line. And that's something that I don't associate with De Gea at all. Um, so I think, you know, on the, on the one hand, I think that part of the problem is De Gea as a keeper tends to kind of be a lot more passive and he prefers to kind of sit on his line. And sometimes that's not helping our defenders. But at the same time, I do think that with the center backs, there is seemingly an issue in terms of communication. The amount of times that I've been watching a game and I'm just kind of screaming at the, at the TV, just saying someone take responsibility and, and do something rather than just let the ball kind of just roll. And then people are looking around at each other. I think regardless of who the goalkeeper is, that problem is going to have to be solved by, you know, the people on the field. So I think... You know, I think right now, I think the shirt is probably still safe with De Gea, but and and I think he's on very very thin ice just because the the Everton game was, golly, the, the goals aside, some of the decision making towards the end, namely when he was on the ball and he just opted to kick it long and then it ended up coming right back. I'm thinking like De Gea, you're you're one of the more senior players in the team, and you're probably the only one that's been a part of the title winning team. Like these are the moments when 
we kind of are looking to someone to just kind of take some sort of authority of a situation. And I think that was a really, really bad showing on his part. But I, so I think he's on very thin ice, but it, I think he's still safe for the time. Yeah. Look, uh, on the defense of the center back partnering, right? Um, in, in my opinion, Lindelof should be the backup for, for Harry Maguire, who needs a rest every now and then. What Harry Maguire is good at doing is that he commands and he, 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 he's constantly organizing and telling people what to do. Uh, and I think what, what, what's missing at times when, when Maguire is around is, is you know, with, without that pace besides him, um, I think he, he panics. Good. So, um, I see where you're coming from, Matt, uh, on, on Maguire and Lindelof. And I kind of agree with you that it's, it's a bit of the central uh, defensive partnership as well as the goalkeeping era. Now, um, what I think, number one, we have to agree on is uh, David Deja's best ability is a stop shot, uh, his shot-stopping ability, right? On the other hand, mm-hmm. uh, Dean Henderson is much, much better at commanding his, um, his, uh, his area, right? His box. And what Agreed. I would like to see is the two of them uh, has some sort of a, uh, a skills transfer and build up. Uh, just like, you know, Tellers and, and Luke Shaw are doing. Yeah? But I think we need to also yep. drop David De Gea uh, for a little while because he needs competition and he needs to know that he is not undroppable. That's the first problem, right? If you feel you're undroppable, you mm-hmm. won't do your best. So that already with Henderson coming in, I dare say that despite these gaps that he's been making, David De Gea is a much better keeper this year than he was last year. Yeah. Now, right. on the central uh, defensive partnership, Harry Maguire obviously is going to start every game. Okay, um, mm-hmm. he he is quite simply uh, this the stalwart of that defense, right? Uh, of that partnership, the challenge that he has, mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, is a lack of pace, and he does spend a lot of time organizing the defense. Uh, this has become really, really evident since. Uh, the games behind closed doors because if you watch the games without the fan uh, added comment uh, fan uh, noise that's added in you can Mm -hmm. hear him constantly shouting and yelling where he absolutely falls flat is the minute there is uh, an action required that 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 requires a lot of space uh, a lot of pace sorry and when Lindelof is besides him he worries he panics and then he loses it whereas if there's Eric Bailly besides him he's much more reassured because Bai will just get across there with his pace and, and help the situation. And for me, it's either we've got to... The most important thing, if we're going to win a trophy this year, win the league and fight back against City, improbable as it may be to some people, it's all about keeping Eric Bai fit. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if we get that or we get Tuanzebe up again in his development, like he was really doing well be- before these unfortunate issues that have, have dissuaded him and held him back, I think that Harry Maguire will be a much, much better defender. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Good. So now we've talked about a lot of players who've, who've, who've improved a lot. And there's one last last player that I'd like to discuss today. Yeah. And in my opinion, he came to our rescue in that West Ham game. Scott McTominay come through the United mm-hmm. Academy. Um, season before last, two goals last year. Last season, sorry, five goals and a little bit north of the half of the season mark now. And he's already got seven, right? Popping up to the right places, mm-hmm. uh, plays with that kind of Roy Keane mentality, heart on his on his sleeve. Uh, 
what do you make of his his development in the last in the last months at Manchester United? Yeah, I think Scott's become a very very important piece of the team, and I think I'm sure I'm not alone in saying this. I kind of was a little bit lukewarm on him when he first broke into the team. I didn't really see what he offered, but uh, between last year and especially recently this year, he's just gone levels into becoming a very, very important part of the team. And now that we're seeing him add goals to his game, kind of have to sit back and wonder, you know, what's the ceiling for this guy? Because I don't think that his future lies as a defensive midfielder. I kind of see him as a box-to-box player. Um, so hopefully in the coming um, get in the coming uh, years, we'll see him start to kind of further develop as a more box-to-box player and adding more goals to his game. I still think there's obviously room for him to grow, especially in terms of his passing. But like you said, other things, leadership, bravery, we never have to worry about him not putting in a shift and things like that. I know that it kind of sounds, it kind of sounds a little bit cliche, but it, you really kind of, that energy is kind of infectious. And we see that, you know, there's been a lot of times when we have been up against it and Scott's been right there in the thick of things. And, you know, like I said, I don't, I, I'm just really impressed with his development as a player and long may it continue. What are you, what are your thoughts on him? Um, I did flirt a lot over the last year or so with the possibility of, of Scott McTominay becoming uh, a central defensive midfielder. But, you know, with a, with a defensive midfielder, you need to have really strong technical ability. I think he can, he can, he can mm-hmm. do like a, a step in and do that role for a while kind of thing. But I think the ship has, has sailed now on that opportunity for him to really be a, a defensive midfielder. Primarily because he's doing yep. such a great do- job as a box-to-box midfielder, right? He pops up in the right, agree, right yep. uh, moments against Leeds. He scored two goals uh, out of out of nothing, and uh, mm-hmm. you know it's, he's got a lot of physical ability, and and you know he just bosses people off the board. A couple of silly tackles yep. here and there, and you know he pushes people off the ball at times that and and gives away of give, gives away fouls, um, but. But, you know, really quick, though, I kind of don't mind that. And, I, and I'll say that because one of the things that I've noticed about United is I kind of I look at us compared to other teams and there's not really a lot of aggression, a lot of like snide, really, if you will. And one thing about Scott is that he'll definitely he'll definitely hit you. And when he'll when he tackles you, you're going to know. Yeah. it. <laughs> and I feel like we don't really see that. in a lot of the other like I don't Pogba's not going to make a tackle. Matic, I don't think that's part of his game. And Fred will tackle, but he's he's a lot smaller. So it's not it's not quite the physical force of Scott. But sorry, I just wanted to... That's a that fair out. point. And look, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to Scott uh, continuing his development at this club because um, he, he's really got ability to to make a strong contribution. You know, he's, he's not the kind of guy who's going to be angling for a move here or there, right? Yeah. Yep. But great. Let's look forward to the next game now. This weekend, Manchester United uh, uh, head to the Midlands to play West Brom, who are languishing uh, 19th position on the table, uh, which is two wins all season in the Premier League now. Uh, They've got one Mm -hmm. point from the last five games. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you see us lining up against against West Brom and, and our old friend, Big Sam? Yeah, I think it'll be, you know, 4-2-3-1. I think we will go with the tried and trusted back four with the Hay and goal. When I say tried and trusted, I mean Wambasaka, 
Lindelof, um, McGuire, and Shaw. Having said that, I don't know if, of course, we're recording this before Ali's press conference, but I don't know what's the status with Bailly, if he's going to be um, fit in time for the game. But I know that we've been talking about Lindelof's back being a big issue for us. So part of me was thinking maybe Twan Zabi will get a shout, but I think that Ali will play it safe. And I think he'll go Lindelof, Maguire, Wambasaka, and Shaw, McTominay and Fred in midfield. And then, of course, Rashford, Bruno, uh, Mason. And then I think Cavani will start up top. Um, so that, that's kind of what I think uh, we're going to do in terms of lineup. What are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, I think we've got to load that, 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 uh, that attack. Yeah, because... Um, and we've got to attack them, even though it's away, an away game, obviously, mm-hmm. because West Ham have conceded, if I'm not mistaken, 50, uh, sorry, West Brom, excuse me, have conceded 54 goals uh, this campaign in the Premier League. And that's the highest concession mm-hmm. yeah, rate. So um, they're, they're there for the taking. And uh, uh, of course, they've, been, they've, they've got some issues. Um, and I, I don't really rate them as, a, as an attacking force. So... Um, I think that that we've just got to go out there and hit them hard, and uh, we should be able to come uh, come away with some with some uh, with with good points yeah, from there. Yep, and I think that to your point about coming out and hitting them hard, I think one of the things that I'd like to see us do is get ahead. And this is going to sound cliche, but get ahead and stay ahead, and not just rest on a one goal lead. If we can put two past them, three, four whatever the case may be, I think that we need to make sure that we do it just because if I'm not mistaken, they picked up points away at City and they picked up points away at Anfield. So if you kind of let them hang around, I mean, and it's another cliche, but it only takes one opportunity. So if, if we let them hang around and we know that we have a, uh, an issue in terms of set piece defending. So if we let them hang around, they may be dangerous the longer they're allowed to hang around a game. So I'd love for us to put this one to bed relatively quickly if we can. Uh, well, you know, Sam Johnston is going to be in goal for them, an ex-Man United player. And mm-hmm. um, one would expect that he will turn into prime Manuel Neuer tomorrow, uh, on the weekend. So, yep, that's always that's how it happens. Always, that's exactly how it <laughs> always happens, yeah. But uh, let's hope that we can, we can get this. Do, do you see any players that, uh, that are particular standouts for West Brom that you would be wary of? Yeah, uh, Mateus Pereira. Um, I, I remember the game at Old Trafford. He kind of was was causing a bit of problems in the midfield, picking the ball up on the right-hand side and cutting in. Um, I don't think he started in their most recent game, so I'd be curious as to if he's going to get the start or if he's going to come in off the bench. I don't think he's injured. Um, and then another player that uh, I think could cause problems is uh, Matt Phillips, another just a winger, skillful, quick. Don't know if he'll start either. And I'm not a West Brom fan, so I, I don't believe he's injured. But those are the two players that I think would cause us um, problems. And, of course, like I said, I don't think that um, they started in the last game. So who knows if they're going to start at the weekend. But those are the two that I'd be looking out for if I'm United. But everybody else, I mean, I think you're going to get energy from from West Brom. I think they just – signed Maitland Niles from Arsenal and I think he's okay but I think he's nothing to really be worried about I think he'll give you energy but as long as we approach this game with the right attitude and we do what we need to do I don't really think even the players that I just mentioned are really gonna 
give us too, too much of a problem if we're just on our game. Yeah. I mean, uh, Matias Pereira scored, what, six goals all season in, in, in all competitions, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I see where you're coming from there. He, he's got a lot of energy. He is uh, quite an electric player when he wants to be on. Um, so uh, one one would say that uh, um, you know Luke Shaw is going to have his hands uh, potentially full on counter attacks and and such and such, especially if we we hone in and and uh, and uh, attack them a lot. Yeah, so it's, it's good that we that we uh, are aware of that and and hopefully our defense will hold up uh, against any such such risks. So yeah, I agree with you, Matt, on uh, on Matthias Pereira. Now he's got six goals this season, uh, from all com- uh, in all competitions. Uh, quite a speedy player, and I think that ultimately, if we end up uh, attacking West Brom a lot and pretty much camp out in their half, as I as I hope we will do, mm-hmm. um, he will be important for them in terms of of counter attacks, and that's where Luke Shaw will probably have his his hands uh, full if he starts uh, on on uh, on the right wing so let's let's hope that our defense holds out uh, keeps their head strong and we do not panic when this happens uh, and inevitably as always go back go down a goal and then turn around with uh, with another monstrous comeback win so uh, in terms of predictions where do you see this um, this game going and, and scoreline uh i'd love a 3-0 um, I think that we're certainly capable of putting that sort of result on the on the board. What I think may happen is I think we may end up with a a weird two one for some reason. Um, <laughs> weird, yeah. yeah like uh, just a, a disastrous goal that we concede that makes this game a lot closer than it should be. Um, it'll be a little. I could see it going a little bit how the Sheffield United game was when we played away to Sheffield United where we were in complete control and then out of nowhere we conceded a, a, a bit of a ridiculous goal and then suddenly we went from comfortably winning the game to virtually to almost dropping uh, two points and settling for a draw so I could see it going that way for some reason as well it's just a weird feeling I'm getting but hopefully we keep a clean sheet because I think our defense could certainly use that boost of confidence and like I said, hopefully we kind of continue to see more of the attacking play that we've seen in recent weeks developing between the front four. So, And hopefully McTominay can continue uh, to build on his past couple of performances as well. What do you think the score will be? Well, for me, I, I, I dare say that we will um, end up conceding a silly goal. I think that's almost guaranteed. Um, but I think we will end up with a 3-1 scoreline. Yeah. Uh, this the the team is capable. Um, I think they're coming back a bit bruised from the from the Everton game. They'll be they'll be wanting to to set something right, and we know that we've been better away from home uh, this season. So um, you know, big big Sam he does set up the teams to defend, um, mm-hmm. but we still do have the quality. So I I would I, I'm I'm not too worried. Uh, I I'm I'm sure that that my my blood pressure will be high, and we will concede a goal. But I'm also of course of the guys fighting back and and winning, yeah. Yeah, and I mean I think that you know, not to look too too far ahead, but I know that there's a lot of other big fixtures this weekend as well. I think Leicester are playing Liverpool. I think City are playing Tottenham, and you know we don't want to go from being on the cusp of a title challenge to suddenly getting dragged back into a fight just to make top four because it's really tight at the moment. So 
you know, we need to make sure that, as you mentioned, that we need to make sure that we're on it and we take care of business and we just continue to be looking upwards to city rather than looking behind us at whomever may be in fifth place at the moment. Who knows? But yeah, hopefully the guys get it done. I'm sure that that's what the guys will be looking for. Yeah, looking upwards and uh, look as Man United fans, we know, right? In in 2012, we dropped a nine point lead, right? Uh, yep. So you never know what can happen, right? The following year, uh, and you know, and sorry, that same year, the title was lost on goal difference. So football's yep. a, a funny old game. Uh, this season has been a funny old season. We had the worst start since the 90s after five or six games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then we were top of the league for a while. So uh, I'm not giving up personally. I hope you aren't either. Uh, and hopefully at the end of the season, we'll have trophies to celebrate with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely, I don't know if I'd say I'm, I'm giving up because the part of me doesn't want to let go because we've, we've not been in a title challenge for so long. But a part of me is also kind of looking at the way City are playing and I'm thinking, yeah, that's going to take a lot to kind of not only for them to draw points and for us to kind of make up the gap. So I think for me, I'm just focused on us continuing to put in good performances because at that point, I know that the, the results will follow if we're kind of playing well. So eradicate the mistakes, continue to do good going forward, and I'm sure we'll get there in due time. Wonderful. Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me. Look forward to to talking to you again. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yep. Sounds good. You too. And end. That was good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, The technical difficulties were kind of messing the flow up, but I thought it came out really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Look, it's it's not too bad. I mean, uh, from the technical side, because uh, Roy he edits it. Last time we had a couple of goofs goof ups also when I was talking to another guy. Uh, it was like this huge droned out pause and a Paul Pogba question and I was like okay is that awkward silence <laughs> really. um, so yeah I'll, I'll ask him and don't worry Roy will take care of it okay cool good. cool cool sounds good thanks so much Matt take care alright thanks so much you too bye Thanks a lot for joining us on this podcast. We hope you liked it. Please leave us your feedback. Subscribe and follow this podcast or share it with your friends.